How many of you, when you were a bit younger, a few years ago, used to watch that show, Beyond 2000? Is anyone? Man, I, I was like, I loved that show in high school because it showed me what the future might look like. And for some reason, we're kind of fascinated with the future. Like, we all kind of really want to know what's going to happen. And there's so many predictions around what's going to happen. In fact, I want to congratulate you because you survived the apocalypse yesterday. I don't know if you knew this, but it was heavily predicted that the 23rd of September, 2023, would be the end of the world. So give someone a high five next to you. Well done. You made it to the 24th of September. Woo! Yeah! Isn't it fascinating how through the years there's always been these kinds of predictions? In fact, Future telling is such a big industry that currently it generates billions and billions of rands every single year from fortune telling to trying to predict your future with cars to people going and doing aura readings to all these kinds of things. There's so many people who are always trying to pursue the future. We want to know what's next. In fact, there was a psychologist who was trying to explain why people might want to do this, why we so obsessed with knowing the future. And he has this saying, he said, one of the most powerful influences on fear is uncertainty. The less we know, the more threatened we feel because a lack of knowledge means we don't know what we need to know to protect ourselves. And I think for a lot of people, when you're looking at life and you don't know what lies ahead, it just causes ugh, fear, worry, anxiety, like not knowing what lies ahead. In fact, he gave this illustration and he did this exercise that I want to do with you. I want to invite you to close your eyes. And while your eyes are closed, I want you to picture that you're driving a really fast car and you're on an open road. Let's say you're starting right now, you're driving, you're starting at 120 k's an hour. That's your starting point. Okay, and just slowly but surely as you're driving on this open road, I want you to picture yourself going faster and faster and faster. And now while you're driving, I want you in your imagination to close your eyes and continue driving. Close your eyes and continue driving and go faster and faster and faster. Now you can open your eyes. Doesn't that make you anxious? And you know why? It's because not knowing equals fear for a lot of us. We know that knowledge is power. When, when I know what's coming ahead, then I know how to prepare myself and I know how to protect myself. And so we're all pursuing like knowledge. We, we want to know what lies ahead. We want to know what's going to happen next month because without that knowledge, we feel afraid. We have anxiety about tomorrow. And yet, if you had to really think about it logically, I want to challenge this pursuit to know the future because do you really want to know? Do you really want to know? I mean, the, the reality is every one of us, could we, could we look around at everyone in this room? Some people have just come dressed to the T in their heritage day. I want to honor them. If, you're, if you are dressed in a heritage outfit, can you stand to your feet? Everyone who's dressed in heritage outfit, stand to your feet. Beautiful. 
a glimpse of heaven right here. Every nation, tribe, and tongue, right? Have a seat. All the people you looked at are going to die. Now, do you want to know when they're all going to die and how they're going to die? Would that be a knowledge you really want to carry? If you really thought about it, do you really want to know the end point of every single person in your life? That's a burden that I feel is too heavy to carry. I mean, would you really watch the rugby game if you knew that Ireland was going to thrash South Africa? Like, would you still go ahead and watch the game? Some of you would, but some of you were like, I don't want to watch that because I know what's coming. In fact, my wife and I, we stumbled across um, a big bag full of VHS tapes, right? For those of you who like born in the 2000s, you've got no clue what I'm talking about, but it's what we used to watch movies on. And my mother-in-law immigrated to Mauritius and we had a bunch of his stuff. We didn't actually realize we had these tapes. Now my company digitizes VHS tapes. And so this weekend I was like, I want to start digitizing these tapes. And so I, we started digitizing them. I started watching them. It was fascinating watching all these like old home movies and not just because of the great hair and the outfits and the interesting cars, but it was kind of interesting to watch a glimpse into the past and see people talk and move that have passed on, see families interact with each other that are now no longer together. And it was so fitting because I was preaching on the future. I was kind of like, God, I don't think I would have wanted to know every wedding that I attended knowing that that wedding would end in divorce. I don't think I would have wanted to know that the people that I was sitting with at that table, I only had a few weeks or months left with them. And so God actually protects us from the future because actually knowing everything in advance would completely overwhelm and cripple us. We think we have fear because we don't know. Meanwhile, God is protecting us because knowing would cause the fear and anxiety. And so today we're starting a new series called Plot Twist. Everyone say Plot Twist. What we're looking at in this series is how God changes our story when he steps into it. Do you know that when God is part of our experience, when God's part of our story, there's always a plot twist. He always changes things. He puts things on its head. Things are not as they were. You cannot have Jesus come into your life and your life stays the same. There's a plot twist. In fact, there is a plot twist when it comes to our death, when it comes to our judgment day, when it comes to hardships and the evil we face in our life. And there is a plot twist when it comes to our future. When God is part of your future, your future is not the same. In fact, even our attitude towards our future changes when God's part of it. I want to give you a few com concrete facts about the future. The first is this. The future is unknown to us. Everyone say, it's unknown to me. We don't know the future. The Bible actually teaches us that no man, no person can know the future. Listen to these words in Ecclesiastes 8 verse 7. Since no one knows the future, how many people know? No one. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? And yet that has not stopped us from trying. From the beginning of time, we've tried. People have said that they know the future, that they have insights. In the ancient times, they would have these oracles that would sit in the temples and they would chant until they got into some kind of trance, and then they would take drugs, and they would take substances, 
that would make them hallucinate and they would hear all these voices and they would say that these voices were the gods speaking to them. And they would tell what the gods are saying, right? And people fell for that. In the Roman times, they would prophesy by chicken. Did you know that? They would put chickens in a coop and then they would feed the chickens and if the chickens ate the food enthusiastically, they'd be like, this is a good sign. Our future's secure. It's a good omen. But if the chickens were reluctant, they'd be like, this is a bad omen, right? But I just think that's a foul way to tell the future. Thank you. Now, I didn't tell you that so that those of you with chickens go home and pay attention to how enthusiastic your chickens are, right? I'm telling you that to say how ridiculous it is that we're so desperate for a source. We're so desperate for someone to tell us what is coming that we'll even look at how chickens feed. And through the ages, there have been so many people that have made predictions. Some of them seem to have come true. The most famous person, Nostradamus. Right, and people read his books and they study it for clues. You might know of the blind mystic, Baba Vega, who's also predicted many things and has come true. And of course, in our modern times, The Simpsons. Right? I mean, they know some stuff. But actually, when you really put these things to close examination, and you look at the volume of things they said, and the volume of things they predicted, and the volume of episodes they created, you realize this is really all just down to chance. It's so up in the air, and there's so much out there. Of course, some of it was going to be right. It's just down to chance because the Bible says no one knows. No one knows, not even the creators of The Simpsons. In fact, it tells us again in James 4, verse 13 to 15. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and then buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know. And yet, even today, right now, there is a growing interest in astrology, especially with the millennials. People who believe that the stars can determine my days and tell me about my future. Do you know that 10% of Christians believe in astrology and even will change their behavior and their day based on what their star sign says? Which means in a room this size, I'm sure many of you, there must be many who believe in their star sign and what it says and how they should act and when they're going to find their true love and when it's going to be a good week. It's ridiculous because no one knows. This is a truth of the Bible. No person knows the future. It is unknown to us. Second truth of the Bible when it comes to our future is that the future is well known to God. In fact, this is something that makes God God, is that God is all-knowing. Everyone say He's all-knowing. This is a quality or an attribute that belongs only to God. He is all-knowing. He's omniscient. And if he knows all things, it means he knows all things in the past and the present and all things that are still to come, all things in the future. One of the scriptures that speak into this is a famous Psalm, Psalm 139, where David says these words from verse 2. He says, God, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You're familiar with all my ways. 
Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You know a thought before I think it. You know every single day of my life is already recorded in your book. God is omniscient. He knows all things, which means he knows your future. God is truly a know-it-all because he knows it all. Do you know that you can't ever tell something, you can't ever say something to God that he hasn't heard or didn't know? You can't ever educate God. You can't inform him with new information. He has all the knowledge and his knowledge has four qualities. The first quality is his knowledge is immediate. Everyone say immediate, which means there's no learning curve. Okay, he has immediate knowledge. Second thing, his knowledge is comprehensive. Everyone say comprehensive. That means there's no gap in his knowledge. There's no areas that he's not an expert in. There's nothing that's missing from his whole wealth of information. His knowledge is comprehensive. Third thing is that his knowledge is without deterioration. Everyone say it doesn't deteriorate. This makes it very different from yours and mine's knowledge because our knowledge deteriorates. Trust me, I know because I try to do maths with my teenager. And I have no clue what's going on there, guys. I have to watch YouTube tutorials to help them with homework. And I did well in maths in school. And I can't help my kids just starting high school. Why? Because our knowledge deteriorates. Fourth quality of God's knowledge is that it is without research. God has never had to study a topic and then draw one conclusion that's led him to another conclusion that's led him to his final conclusion. No, he's never had to look at this idea and then look at that idea and then from the opposing ideas, draw his own idea. No, God's knowledge is immediate. It's comprehensive. It's without deterioration and without any research, which means God has never said the words, oh, wow, I didn't know that. God's never been caught by surprise. He's the worst person to try to throw a surprise party for. God has never been caught off guard. Never. There's never been something that's happened in your life and you're like, oh, oh, I didn't see that coming. Never. He knows it all. He's all-knowing and he exists outside of time. He's not in our space-time continuum that you and I are in. He's outside of time. So he knows all the things in the future and all the things in your past. He knows it all. Even before he made the world, even before he set the foundations of the world, he knew it. He knew you by name before you were born. A great way to try, maybe give you a way to understand it is, I want you to picture that a circus parade was coming to Woodbank, okay? And that this parade was going to go down one of our main roads that this church is on, on uh, here, on Mandela Street. Let, let's say the parade was going to start at the mall and go all the way down and end by King George's Park. And that this parade, the circus parade, had many different parts to it. Maybe it started with clowns on bicycles. And then some jugglers came behind. And then some acrobats. And then maybe this parade ended with elephants walking on two legs. Okay. So it's a parade we want to watch. It's pretty cool. It's Whitbank. There's not much to do, right? Besides an awesome church, what else is there, right? So here 
we're going to watch the circus parade. And, and because I'm here, I'm going to go watch it on the pavement here. So imagine I get a camping chair and I get some, you know, some sodas and some biltong. I'm sitting there. I'm ready to watch the parade. And the first lot of people come past. And so I see the, the clowns on their bicycles. And they're friendly. Right? They don't have any red balloons. And they wave at me. And I wave back to them. And the clowns go by. And I see the jugglers. And at that point, you come to me, and you're like, oh, man, this is so cool. I can't wait to see the clowns on the bicycles. What am I going to say to you? Oh, sorry, man, they've just passed me by. But if you're really keen to watch them, jump in your car and drive up the road, because you're going to catch them over there. And then you can see the clowns coming past you on the bicycles. And suddenly, you will have a glimpse into my past. If you go forward, maybe someone else comes to me next and they're like, oh, I don't have time. I love this parade, but I have just been wanting to see those elephants that walk in two legs. And I'd say to you, while they're not here yet, they're still starting. They're still at the mall. So why don't you go there if you've pressed on time? Go quickly drive to the mall. You're going to see the elephants. You're going to jump in your car. You're going to drive all the way to the mall. And what are you going to see? You're going to glimpse my future. Something that's still coming to me, but I have not seen it yet you're going to be able to view. And then, let's take it up a notch. Let's say you jump in a helicopter, and now you go right up from the top, and you can see the entire parade from beginning to end, from the elephants to the clowns, and everything in between. This is where God exists. He can glimpse your future, and He can glimpse your past, and He can see everything all at once. He exists outside of time. You and I were stuck on the pavement by New Life Church, but God is not. He's able to move where you and I cannot move. God is above time. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and end. He can see what has passed, and He can see what is still to come. The future is unknown to us, but it is known to God. Third truth is this. The future is made known to us. It's made known to us. In fact, God wants to make it known to you. It's through a spiritual gift. If you have been baptized in the Spirit, one you can operate in, a spiritual gift called prophecy. And the Bible is full of prophecy. In fact, scholars will tell us that about one-fourth, a quarter of this Bible is just prophecy, future-telling. A quarter of the Bible is about future events, and then it tells us that as we head into the last days, there's going to be more activity in the prophetic. Listen to these words, which is a pro uh, prophecy in a, and of itself. We're told this in the book of Acts chapter 2, that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on your people in Acts 2.17. Your sons and daughter will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will Dream dreams. God makes the future known to us through prophecy. As you're reading through the Bible, you see this prophecy again and again and again. He told the Israelites that they were going to be taken captive by the Babylonians, and they were. He told them that they'd be free from the Babylonians, and they were. There's prophecies regarding Jesus, this coming Messiah, the Savior of the world. 
And when you look at those prophecies, it gets really, really interesting. Because, guys, it's one thing to make a prophecy. It's a whole nother thing for that prophecy to come true. It's easy to make a prediction. But only God can make an accurate prediction. And did you know that if I add details to my prediction, so I don't just leave it vast and open, but if I start getting really specific, every detail I add to my prediction makes it less likely for that prediction to come true. Now, there was a prediction for a Messiah to save the world, but did you know that over time, over hundreds of years, God added details. In fact, he added over 330 details to exactly what the Messiah would do, how he would teach, how he would be treated, what he would experience, all prophesied. 330 details, every new detail increased the risk that this could not be fulfilled, that this would not be possible to be fulfilled. And yet, again and again, every prophecy, all 330 of them were fulfilled. They predicted he would be born of a virgin. That narrows down the list. It was told that in Isaiah 7.14, that he would be born in Bethlehem in Micah 5.2, that he would be born to the tribe of Judah in Genesis 49.10, that his ministry would not begin in Jerusalem, but rather in Galilee in Isaiah 9.1, that he would work miracles in Isaiah 35.5 and 6, that he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey in Zechariah 9.9, that he would be betrayed by a friend in Psalms 41.9, that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver in Zechariah 11.12. That he would be wounded and bruised in Isaiah 53.5. That his hands and his feet would be pierced in Psalm 22.16. That he would be crucified with thieves in Isaiah 53.12. That his garments would be torn and lots would be cast for them in Psalm 22.18. That his bones would not be broken in Psalm 34.20. That his side would be pierced in Zechariah 12.10 that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb in Isaiah 53.9, that he would rise from the dead in Psalm 16.10, and that's only 16 of the more than 300 details about the life of Jesus, and he fulfills every one. Now, the chances of that happening are zero. Even if you lived hundreds and billions of years, the chances of all these details pointing to one person, that one person by chance can experience and live and fulfill all those prophecies, the chances of that is statistically literally zero. The only explanation, church, is that those words and prophecies were inspired by a living God who exists outside of time and knew the details of the future. That is the only way to explain it, that this must be divine words, that this must be written by a godly author who knows all things. It is literally the only explanation that there is. And the Bible is not done in its predictions. In fact, there are many more predictions still to come. And based on the track record of this Bible, I believe that. Based on the accuracy, based on all the prophecies that already have come true, I believe the ones that are still to come. Because it's still prophesied that there is a judgment coming. It's still prophesied that we will experience a great tribulation, that there will be a rapture and a second coming, that we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ for a thousand years, that there will be an eternal kingdom with a new heaven and a new earth. And given the track record of God, his ability to know the future, I believe every single one of those prophecies. 
because he does not exist in time and the future might not be known to us. It is known to him and he makes it known to us, but there are certain details he has promised he will not reveal. And one of them is the moment of the second coming. And I find it so fascinating that over the years, you keep hearing of people who say, I've got it. I found the formula. I found the hidden code. I know when Jesus is going to return. And yet Jesus himself says these words in Matthew 24, 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Everyone say, no one knows. Look at someone and say, you don't know. Not even, listen to this. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? That not even Jesus knows when he's returning. Nor the son, but only the father. This is the only thing recorded that the Trinity hides from itself. That there's one member of the Trinity who knows something the other members don't know. The only thing in all of scripture hidden from even the Trinity is a moment of Jesus Christ's return. So when a human prophet tells you he knows, just remind him he does not know more than Jesus. How can he know what did God sidestep the Holy Spirit? Did God bypass Jesus Christ, his son, and go tell a human being? No. So this is what, this is what I know. When someone is confident about the day and time of Jesus' return, I take a big red X onto that date in the calendar. And I know, while it's definitely not that date, because the Bible says he's going to come like a thief in the night. We're not going to know. We're not going to know. And so don't fall for every prophecy and every word and some code and someone who shows you this. No, you're not going to know. That's why we're still here on September the 24th, because of all the days this year that I knew Jesus would not return. It would not be the, the 23rd of September. There would definitely not be that day, because people thought it would be that day. And nobody knows. The future is unknown to us. It's fully known to God. And he makes it known to us, and he has a plot twist. is that the future makes God known to us. The future makes God known to us. In other words, the, the proof that God knows the future, that there is accurate prophecy recorded in ancient manuscripts that no one could have controlled. These are things beyond, outside of a human's ability to control. You cannot control in advance who your parents will be, what tribe you'll be born into, what town you'll be born into. There, there are hundreds of documented prophecies from ancient texts, hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. It makes God known to us. In other words, it is proof that God is God and that Jesus is who he says he is. And this is what prophecy is, guys. Prophecy is like God's business card. That's what it is. When prophecy is accurate, it's proof that the one who knows the future is in the room. The one who knows the future, the only one who knows the future is speaking now. That the only one who knows what is to come, he's active in our lives. This is what prophecy is. It's why it's a powerful gift when it's being used accurately. And this is what Jesus said he would use it for. In fact, in John 14, 29, this is a reason Jesus says we have prophecy. It says, I've told you now before it happens, so that when it happens, what? You'll believe. God certainly operated like this. In fact, 
if you see anything from God's attitude towards prophecy, he, he holds prophecy like a boasting card and he teases the false gods with what he knows. Have you seen that happen in scripture? Let's look at a, one moment where Jesus did that in Isaiah 41 verse 21. God is saying, present your case. Set forth your arguments, says Jacob's king. Tell us, you idols, what is going to happen? Tell us what the former things were so that we may consider them and know their final outcome. Or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what the future holds so that we may know that you are gods. Well, God knows they can't do it. No demonic force can. No false God can. The only one who knows the future is God. And he reveals it to us because in doing that, it reveals God to us. In fact, there's three credentials to Jesus Christ's ministry that sets him apart from every other religion. The first is his impact on the world. No other spiritual figure has had this kind of impact on society from any religion. His impact is undeniable and unchallenged. Second thing is that he was risen from the dead. And I'm so grateful that we don't have to visit an, a, a tomb. We don't have to visit a grave site that we have a living Savior. We are the only religion with a living, breathing Savior, one who is still alive today. But the third thing about Jesus Christ that sets him apart from every other religion is that he fulfilled prophecy and no one else did. You know, there's about 25 books in the world that claim to be scripture. And you know what this one has different about it to all the others? Is that it is the only book with detailed, fulfilled prophecy. There is no other spiritual, scriptural book once, one that is claiming to be authored by God, one that claims to be divine, there is not a single other spiritual book that has detailed, fulfilled prophecy. The only one there is, is the Bible. You won't find that in the Quran. You won't find that in the writings of Buddha. You won't find that in the teachings or sayings of Confucius. You won't find that in the Hindu Vedas. You won't find it anywhere else. The only place you find it is in this book. There is detailed, fulfilled prophecy. And it's God's way of saying, hey, I know the future. And I'm going to reveal parts of it, not too much so that you don't get overwhelmed, but I'm going to reveal parts of it to you so that you can see I am a real God. This is my business card. I am a real God. I am active. I am alive. I am here. And I speak through people. That's why God's prophecy is not just to make people informed. It's actually to make people conform to his purpose. It's not to make people just aware. It's to make people in awe of who God is. And so I want to say this to you today is that because you're not God, you don't know what's coming up in your life. And I know, I know that, stretch, that, that stresses us out because we want to see as far as we can see as we're speeding through this this road called life. We want to see to the end of the road. We want to peek around the corners. That's why we even buy those cars now where the lights turn before we even get to the corner, right? Because we want to see. And the fact that we can't see beyond right now, it 
stresses us out. And I believe that some of you, you're so stressed out by the things you can't see. And you're just kind of, you're waiting for the answer for that, for, from that job interview, right? You, you're, you're stressed about like the, the upcoming matric finals. You, you're worried about what's going to happen with this disease. You're stressed about some kind of relationship or, or you're worried about your kid's future. Or you're worried about whether you can retire or whether your retirement's going to be enough to see you through. There's all these things uh, that we're waiting for that we're just uncertain of. But there's this famous saying that I just love when I start feeling just anxious about my tomorrow is that I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. And I want to just speak that over you today is you don't know what's coming tomorrow because you're not God. And he's not going to tell you everything because he doesn't want to overwhelm you. It's good that he doesn't. But I know whatever's coming up in your life, nothing's going to surprise God. He knows every bump, every mountain, and every valley, every season of blessing that lies ahead, and every single one that's a season of trial and loss. He knows it. And I believe that if we give our lives to him, if we surrender to him, you never know what he's equipping you for today, what he's investing in you today, what he's allowing you to go through today in preparation to strengthen you for tomorrow, for what still lies ahead. And you've got to know no matter how much worry and fear and anxiety you have, you've got to know that we have a God who knows it all and he's inviting us to just give it to him. He's saying, will you come to me if you're weary and heavy laden? Will you cast your cares on me? Because even though you don't know tomorrow, he does. And he's already there. He goes before us. He makes a way for us. And he hedges us in. And he will equip you. And he will strengthen you. And he will provide for you. And so what he wants us to do in the now is just trust him. Just trust him and say, God, I don't know what's coming, but I trust you do. And I trust that you're good. And I trust that the same God who is good and loving today will be good and loving tomorrow. And so I put my tomorrow in your hands. He doesn't want you to live with worry. He doesn't want you to live with fear. He doesn't want you to live with your anxieties and your stress. He wants to lift it off you because he's in your tomorrow already. He sees it already. And so the invitation today is trust in the God who goes before you because he has a plot to us. He has what changes when God steps into our future. We have no more worry or fear or anxiety because we trust the one who's already there. We trust the one who sees it all. We trust the one who goes before us. And so you don't have to worry anymore. Matthew 6 buckles down this teaching from Jesus. He's like, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough stress of its own. Just walk with me today. Just be with me today. Let's just do life in this moment. Just be present with me now. I've got tomorrow sorted. Church, he's a good father. He's a loving provider. And he's a powerful God. And you might have a lot of unanswered questions in your life, but the invitation is put those things in God's hands. Trust him. Give it to him. Don't carry it. He doesn't want you to carry it. He is in your future. Corrie ten Boom, a famous survivor from the, the Holocaust, uh, she, she's someone who was hiding Jews in World War II. Her family got captured, and uh, 
Some of them were killed. She was put in a concentration camp, so were some of her family members. She went through a terrible time. And uh, she, she wrote these words. Never be afraid to entrust an unknown future into the hands of a known God. Never be afraid to entrust an unknown future into the hands of a known God. You might not know what your future holds, but you know the one who holds your future. You can have trust in him. You might not be certain of what tomorrow holds, but you can be certain of who God is. You can be certain he will not leave you. You can be certain he will not abandon you. And you can be certain that whatever you're going to be walking through, he's going to be with you. He will never leave you. So let's put our trust in him. I want to pray for you right now, wherever you are. Can you close your eyes? God, I pray for your church. And I'm so grateful, God, that you knew this day would come. You knew every person who would be seated here with anxiety and worry and fear. And God, I don't believe they're here by accident. God, you have brought us here today so that we can be reminded to trust you, to put our hope in you, to put our confidence in you. God, you don't want us to walk with anxiety and worry and stress and hopelessness. So right now, God, we give that to you. In fact, I want to invite you to pray a prayer today, wherever you're seated, wherever you're listening to this. I want you just to pray these, these short words. God, I trust you with my tomorrow. Can you pray that? I want to invite you to make that part of your prayer life. To say, God, I trust you with my tomorrow. I trust you with the things I cannot control. I trust you, God, with the things that are still to come. And I know, God, you're good. And I know, God, you're loving. And I know, God, that I can put my hope in you. I can cast my cares, my burdens to you because you care for me. So, God, I pray right now to everyone listening to this, I come against anxiety in Jesus' name, stress in Jesus' name, worry and fear in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that you have called us for freedom. God, you have called us to a life where we cast every care to you. So right now we do that by faith, God. We give you our cares and our worries and our stress and our burdens. We come to you when we are heavy. We come to you, God, and we pray that you would lift us up. Lift us up, God, even those who are stuck in that miry clay. Lift them up, God. Lift them up. Do that lifting work right now, even in the spiritual realm, God. Would you just do a lifting for people? You go before us, God. We do not have to fear. You walk before us. You are in our future. You are in our tomorrow. We do not have to fear. So, God, we boldly declare today, we we're no longer slaves to fear. We are your children, God. And as your children, we trust you without a morrow. In Jesus' name.